What up, free lunch recipients? It's your boy Rob Badgett here on episode number five. I had an opportunity to sit down with Jen Thompson, who is an educator and dean at a local charter school. And in this conversation, we talked a little bit about her journey, but also a lot about what it's been like dealing with COVID. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode and continue to lock into the conversation. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a loved one that the free lunch program is on. I need a glass of that victory, grab it off of the shelf Hunger is on the menu, we bringing food for your health Transformation in a nice place with a great taste Welcome to the free lunch, it's a safe space Welcome to the free lunch program With your host, Rob Badgett Where we serve a fresh plate of content that will feed your soul Sit back, relax, and get ready to eat Yes, yes, we are here for our episode for today. I'm so excited about this episode because we have a lovely woman who is educated, who is passionate, and uh, all those kind of good things. But I'm going to read a little bit of her bio. Miss Jen Thompson is a passionate educator who has dedicated her career to urban education, landing in the Brockton community. Shout out to Brockton, a native born in Haiti. We're going to get into why that's important. But raised in the city streets of Brockton, Massachusetts, <laughs> at a young age, she served alongside her father and pastor and the, as a founder of the One Love Youth Ministry, which is where I actually met her. That was quite some time ago. Uh, but that passion led her straight through high school. She was a leader in high school, in her class, just a voice, a vessel, really spreading her message and then you know moved on into college the college year she started off at Bridgewater State University but then ending her career off no she started off at Johnson and Wales then transitioned to Bridgewater State University where she studied English now Jen credits her transfer to educational field to her mother who was also an educator who also taught in the Brockton Public Schools for over 20 years and in high school a high school English teacher I did not know that. I did not know that. Good to know that. Uh, but she continued on getting her undergrad at Brock at Bridgewater State uh, University, and now she is currently pursuing her master's in education. But she is passionate about the Haitian American culture, and as well as the urban inner city culture as well. She's a passionate educator, as I've said, and has been serving in different leadership positions and all those good things. But she currently works and leads at a charter school she's working as a dean but started off as a sub in the school system moving on to a career coach and the list goes on yeah i'm not gonna you know just get too much into that because she'll be able to tell you a little bit more about her journey as well but i want to welcome miss jen thompson <laughs> to the lunchroom how are you sis i'm good i'm good how are you i'm good so you just came from getting your uh Yes, I just got my second vaccine. Mm, how'd you feel? Ah, uh, I feel good. I feel good. I'm anticipating a hit tomorrow, though. Yeah, yeah. Which one did you get? If you don't mind um, sharing, you want I got the Pfizer vaccine. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, first first shot was fine. Now, was this a no brainer for you? Or just like you no, know, what? it wasn't. It well, okay. wasn't a no brainer. It was very much um a transition as far as my initial thoughts. Like the first 
thing I was thinking about is like black people don't trust vaccines. Yeah, like yeah. this is way too political. Mm. <laughs> there's way too much. Like there's not enough, I should say, information mm-hmm. about um, you know, this the vaccine mm-hmm. and I was just like, I don't trust this thing. Yeah. Right. So I was taking a firm stance of not taking the vaccine for a long time. And a lot of my colleagues would ask, because, you know, in education, a lot of the colleagues are white. Yeah. And they have the privilege of not being apprehensive about a vaccine. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So there's no um, history. There's there. no history. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So with that, you know, they would ask me and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to get it. But. Um, I have a lot of family and friends who are very like passionate about not getting either. However, <laughs> let me ask you this though: How? Because I don't know. As far as the Haitian American culture or the Haitian culture, how do they feel about? The um. Vaccine? Okay. Well, because I know how Jamaicans feel. Right. Right. I mean, Haitians. There's a Haitians are very steady in the field of medicine. Mm. You're gonna find a lot of Haitian doctors, Haitian nurses. Um, so I, I haven't heard yeah. much apprehension from the community. Um, I can speak like from my family specifically, they mm-hmm. didn't have any apprehension. They were like, yeah, I'm going to get the vaccine. Right. But like, like I said, like my mom, she's in education. So, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of in the same boat for her. She's a little bit older. You know, it was like a, it was a no brainer yeah. for me. It was like, eh, mm-hmm. nah, son, I'm same here. Same here. I think for me, uh, when I was not working in the schools, um, I was cool. I was like, yeah, we control our environment. The right. only place we was going was Walmart and back home. Right. But then going back into the school system, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Right. Plan right. B. Right. Right. <laughs> because, right. You know, these kids is all over the place. Yeah. You know, staff were lackadaisical. Right. And I was just like, mm, maybe I need to rethink this. Right. Yeah. I remember, like, for me, the big change was when Commissioner Riley came out and said, we are we're going fully back in person like uh-huh. there is not an yep. asynchronous option like we're, right. <laughs> we're going back and like our leadership team really had a sh- like we had a meeting immediately mm. and it was like what does this process look like for us yeah and in thinking about i mean our school has over 700 students that mm-hmm. are enrolled mm-hmm. so to think about um currently we're we're at about over a little over 400 students that are going to come back Mm -hmm. next week Mm -hmm. um starting with middle school and just thinking about what that would look like right i began to like seriously consider like wait time out like if i'm an educator and i'm with these students all the time every single day and knowing the apprehension from the black community Mm. will the parents get vaccinated right sure and we've surveyed our parents and you know a large percentage of our parents said they're not getting vaccinated correct so to put myself in you know just working in public service and just like Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. it it was you know i called my husband immediately and it was like so i know we talked about not getting the vaccine so what are we doing right right and, you know, my husband has already been working with, you know, with students face yeah. to face. Mm. And we were just like, yeah, I think we're going to get the vaccine. Same here. It was, it was very similar, man, where I was just like, ah, let me rethink this. But it's interesting. I was listening to um, uh, um, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Right. He, was, he was on a, a, a radio show today. And they had asked him, it was like, you know, um, he's like, Bishop, so, you know, did you get the vaccine? You know, because we know that you, you travel and, mm-hmm. you know, you still do church. And he was like... Yes, I did. He said, I did it on Dr. Oz, you know, so people could see me. He was like, listen, he said, I'm overweight. I'm old. And, you know, I'm I'm at the top of the list of it. But he also said something. He said, listen, 
He said, the thing, he said, I understand the thoughts about black people. He said, but the majority of the people getting the vaccine are white people. Right. So there's no, this one is for the blacks and this one is for the whites. Right. They don't, they're, they're, they're not color coded. Right. So if anybody's going to go, they're going to go first. Right. <laughs> so yeah. yep. but it'd have to get to us way down the line. And it's like, well, we do understand, you know, uh, things like the Tuskegee experiment and different things like mm-hmm. that. But I think we, 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 we minimize just kind of the impact that we've had in medicine. You know, having black doctors, black nurses, uh, people who are in the industry, who are at the top of the industry. I'm like, so we're just duping everybody? (laughs) So we're just, what they've done doesn't matter at all? Right, right. And I mean, the history goes so far back too, right? So it's just, I was talking about this with some colleagues today. It's like, you know, as far as we've come as a society, it's almost like we haven't made any movements at all. Sure. So, um, and as a Christian, right, you know, in thinking about this, I was like, well, I'm going to require as much faith as someone who doesn't get it. Mm. Right. Like the Break faith that, that I have, <laughs> like the faith that I have to, to take the vaccine and be, feel like I'm good yeah. is the same amount of faith that you as a person who's not going to get vaccinated to believe that you're good without it. Right. right? So like, we're both in the same position mm-hmm. because we don't have enough information. Right. And I have to be at peace with whatever decision that I make. Right. And Absolutely. just, I have to just be like, all right, God, take the wheel. And if I yeah. die tomorrow because of this vaccine, well then. And so I be said, it. Like, girl, listen, I had this, it was kind of morbid as I said it. I was like, you know, for those non-vaccinators, you know, that's your choice. Right. But if all of us die, like all millions of people die mm-hmm. and they just leave you. That means you guys just got to figure this thing out. Right. Do you want to be with the team that just goes? Or do you want to be the team that <laughs> just mean, stays? Because that's going to so be a lot many, on your plate. Right. And I mean, like I said, like there's so many ways to look at it. Yeah. But at the end, I felt like the Holy Spirit was giving me peace. Like, yeah. girl, you're going to need the same right. faith that it's going to take for somebody else. Right. You know? and, so. and if my arm fall off, you know, then, hey, we'll have a lawsuit and we'll figure it out, man. <laughs> you know, but... Looking, looking in history, right? Mm-hmm. Why did you uh, want to get into education? You know, because you've always been a voice, you've always been a leader. Right, right. Uh, but why did you say, "All right, I want to educate"? You know, like when I was younger and I was in leadership doing One Love Ministries, I saw that leadership quality in myself. Right? Mm-hmm. It takes a certain amount of talent, skill and just anointing mm. to be able to, you know, accomplish what, you, what we accomplished in 10 years. Like For those who good, don't know, what is love, One Love Ministry? So what One Love that? Ministry was the youth ministry that I had founded um, at my father's church. Mm. Um, I was like, pff, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And at that time I had, you know, was starting to get into my own as far as discovering God for myself. Mm-hmm. And at a very Haitian church, there wasn't much room for, okay, what do we do with these young people, right? Mm. So me being completely assimilated into American culture, like I had to figure out a way to be in a Haitian church Mm. and worship God at the same time. So long story short, we created this ministry and it was amazing. Like, you know, it was, it was awesome because I, not only was I leading, Mm -hmm. um, I was really discovering God for myself and bringing a lot of kids or students along the journey with me. And we really got immersed in God and it Mm. was really awesome and powerful. Um, you know, that ended up ending after 10 years. 
But when I looked at, you know, what I had, what I'd accomplished. And Mm -hmm. so I initially went to college for, um, Sports entertainment at Johnson and Wales. Oh, okay. Right? So I was like, I love football. I love, like, I want to You want to be, like, an announcer? I want to be, like, PR. Like, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, I really want to get into that field. But um, just kind of looking at, like, the trajectory of that career and, like, how long it takes you to get to where you need to go, I was like, uh, this is going to mm-hmm. take forever. Mm-hmm. So when I did made the decision to go to Bridgewater State, I had to look over the things that I loved. Mm-hmm. My mother really inspired me as an educator and Miss McLaren really inspired me as my English high school teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I love to read and write, so I'm just going to go into English. Mm-hmm. So, I I mean, I, I went through that. It was it was tough, but I went through it. And along the way, mom was like, why don't you study at Brockton High, uh, Brockton, Brockton Public Schools? Yeah. So I did that for like about eight years. Um, and I just really, I don't know, like when I left Brockton High School, I don't know, Brockton High School is like its own culture. Yeah, like, absolutely. I loved absolutely. being a Brockton High student, right? Yeah. And, like, how Were do I get back to the... class president or anything like no, that? No, I wasn't... Because okay. <laughs> I can see it. I no, I wasn't class it. president, but I was the president of the African-American Club. Boom. The time. So was so I. That was, so was I. Were you? I was. What year? 98. Yeah, I was in 04, 05. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a good time. So, I felt like I needed to give back to the community I just, that, like... I was like... just there for the parties, though. <laughs> we did a party, a fashion show. And a talent show. Yes, I remember your years because I would come to the fashion yeah, shows like, it. and then like they shut it down like after your years. They did. Like they, they, sure did. they shut it's down like, like fashion shows and everything sure like did. that. <laughs> it was like no dances. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yep. Um. But yeah. So. So yeah. So I I I I got into education mm. and I just kind of just kept going. Like I yeah. just wanted to give back to Brockton and my love was like working with Haitian students. Yeah. Working with the Haitian community because of obviously having that just natural link to the community mm. and then just Brockton. Like my mm. dream was to like work in Brockton. What was it like your first teaching job, your first assignment <sighs> when it was like, all right, this is legit, legit. Like you mean like subbing or like, as not, like a, like not a the team. subbing, but what is like, I'm official. So, right? you know, my first, like first time I was like in my own classroom was at new Heights uh, okay. was at new Heights and new Heights. Like God is so good. Cause like new Heights took a risk on me. Like mm. I was like, not certified, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just wanting, having a passion design, just want looking for an opportunity, right? Six felonies on so your record. Yep. Six felonies. <laughs> 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 right, so yeah. I was, so in 2016, New Heights gave me the opportunity to be a lead classroom teacher, and it was like, whoa. Mm. Like, Were you teaching English at the time? I was teaching English, right. Okay. So, I mean, I left high school with, not high school, college with my English degree, so I had that background. Yeah. But, um... I didn't go to like an education prep program. Mm. So like when I could have started sure. that education prep program at Bridgewater, I was like, uh, eh, yeah. I'm gonna just graduate with this English degree and that's that mm. and just figure this out. Cause it was, I felt like it was like an innate quality in me. Like I could teach, like right. I can lead. Right. It was, it was just right. there. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was tough. Mm-hmm. Those are things that I probably should have learned in college mm-hmm. that I just ended up learning like in real, like in real time mm-hmm. and just like learning how to like, Figuring out how to teach the standards, mm-hmm. teaching, understanding how to break down certain things for mm-hmm. kids on a sixth grade level. Sure. Um, learning how to assess students properly. Mm-hmm. Learning, you know, like so many things like classroom moves, like mm-hmm. instructional things, like mm-hmm. all the things that I, pr- I might have had, you know, an opportunity to interact with in college, I learned in the classroom. Right. So, I mean. Which is still, that's still very valid. Like, right. Yeah. Because I've seen. 
um, teachers go the whole long college route and they die in the classroom. Mm. They have no ability to communicate. They'll, they're like, oh, you'll see the super, super smart ones who don't know how to manage a classroom at all. Right. Who do not, which a big problem I have is they do not know how to connect and translate to culture. Mm-hmm. Right. They do not know how yep. uh, that the language is different. The understanding is different. Yep. And half of that is what you're going to need anyways, exactly. right? You can come exactly. in here with all your techniques and all these things, but if it's not relevant to who's in front of you, then it's not going to work. Yeah, so you're not going to make an impact. At all. You're not going to make an impact. You're just looking for students to be compliant. Absolutely. And that's it. And it's tough in urban education because if you don't have, if you don't have like relationships with students yep. and if you're not meeting students in a place where they can access material and mm. access instruction in a way for them to be properly or authentically engaged, mm-hmm. They don't care. What is the difference between a charter school and a traditional public school? Well, so the charter schools have a lot more leeway as far as what they do. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky enough to work in a public charter school. So Mm. we are still a public school. We don't like we don't charge for students to come to our school. Right. Um, So but, you know, a lot of the things that would happen in a traditional school, a lot of the requirements that need to be adhered to by a traditional school, we have a lot more leeways Mm -hmm. um, in in getting around those. So, I mean, speaking specifically about the differences, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of differences. um, But. I can say, like, as far as, like, what people think about a charter, it might be more, mm-hmm. um, maybe more rigorous. Yeah. It might be, like, a test, like, you need to, like, t- place into the school by taking a test. Yeah. Um, you might have to pay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people, and people hear about my charter school, and they're like, oh, charter, yes, right? And mm-hmm. it's just like, actually, we're, in a, we're a public charter. Mm-hmm. We take, we accept all students. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Um, our charter is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in terms of your school, um, what are kind of some of the day-to-day challenges or benchmarks that your school is, is adjusting and meeting? Um, just regularly, like mm-hmm. normally? Okay, yeah. so I got to look at my notes here. So um, regularly, like regular issues that we've um, acquired or just kind of seen is, you know, student engagement, kind of like we, we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Are students authentically engaged with the material that teachers are presenting to them, right? Yeah. And what that might look like in the classroom, um, we've seen um, a disturbing number of disciplinary issues because of our disciplinary policies that we've changed over the course of several years. Now, is that statewide or is it just for specific schools? Because I know, um, like, in school districts that I've taught in, there's, like, next to n- – they don't do suspensions anymore. Right. Um, I right. don't know if that's statewide or is right. it just, you know I what mean, I mean, things like that, and it's all this – Super hands off. Not saying that you're um, gonna be putting your hands on kids. Right, right. Yeah, I understand what you mean. It's like the, there's a level of. It almost seems like the students are more empowered um, than the teachers are, or the the admin, right? And um, I understand. When you when you say empowered, what do you okay, mean? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Where they have the superior rights, where I've seen kids just run amok run over and you know the teacher's like well I'm powerless I can't do anything Mm -hmm. I can't suspend this kid Mm -hmm. Um, you know I can't keep them out of the class for a certain Mm -hmm. amount of time Mm -hmm. you know they can't you know be separated and all these kinds of things and I'm not saying that some of that does not come without its appropriate merit, right? Mm-hmm. But some of these kids that I've seen, they take full advantage of that. Right, and right. they know, and they push it, right. Right? right? So are you guys dealing with those kinds of situations when you talk about discipline, or what are you saying? Yeah, I mean, I see it. 
Um, I see it where students literally test the boundaries mm -hmm. of how far they can go. They know that there are certain things that's going to land them outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, we, we've been, uh, we've, we've had issues with um, dis our disciplinary numbers in the past. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, made us take a real hard look at our discipline policies yeah. and what we were doing. Um, and, you know, we've done different things like restorative justice. Um, mm -hmm. And we've... No, we've what is restorative to, justice? So restorative justice is more of, you know, kind of looking at the whole child and kind of doing some more social emotional considerations and looking at why the student does the behaviors and trying to, um, you know, coach the student through what they're going through and to mm. try to restore um, them... Um, and the relationship that they have with mm -hmm. whether it be peers or teachers um, to re-enter the classroom. So I mean, it's a it's a it's a very um, nuanced pedagogy, but the the, the heart of it I love is that really word, pedagogy. <laughs> pedagogy. But the heart of it, pedagogy. But the heart of it is really to you know bring that relationship between teacher and student back to like a good place um, where students feel comfortable to re-enter the classroom setting. Have you ever had a situation where you're like, man, I don't know how I'm gonna manage this kid? What are some of the challenges? Oh yeah, that kids definitely. Come in there yeah, definitely. Um. You know, some students come in with, um, you know, certain disabilities that mm. manifest into behavioral problems, mm. right? So as an educator, right, how do we, and I don't, I don't think that we've done enough conversation around how to, um, how to properly identify mm -hmm. um, what disabilities a student may have and how that manifests into a behavioral problem, and then mm. how as a teacher to provide the right interventions to alleviate that behavior issue and re-engage them back into the learning. That sounds like a thesis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was something that I kind of studied um, earlier in the school year and just talking to our special ed dean um, and just kind of getting that information. Like, wow, you know, I'd, like some kids have ADHD, right? Mm -hmm. And those are going to manifest in ways where students are out of their seat or students are kind of like, you know, kind of um, disrupting other students in the classroom mm -hmm. or whatever, right? But it's because the student isn't engaged, mm -hmm. right? So how can I, as an educator, um, not only just identify what the student is experiencing in that moment, but to re-engage mm -hmm. them back into the learning? What can I do to provide some type of support for that child mm -hmm. rather than, I'm going to kick you out because you can't sit down, right? right. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right. so just, yeah, I've definitely come across do students. Do you find um, more commonalities by race? That's a really good question. I really, uh, yeah, I think, obviously, I think that um, there might be some commonalities. However, I think that's also a misconception as well, or that's an assumption, because not everyone's cultural differences places them in a place where they can have similarities, right? So just because I'm Haitian doesn't mean that I will have the same experience as another Haitian person. True. So, you know what I'm saying? So, like, True. how I believe that I might be able to connect with a student because mm -hmm. we have that we have that um, connection, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, might not, yeah, it yeah. might not actually land. So, just learning, I mean, that's one strategy that you can use to try to build a relationship with a student. But if mm -hmm. you're going to, you know, put all your, all your, you know, eggs in that basket, mm -hmm. You know, you might lose out. It's but it's learning that student. It's figuring out who they are, what their background, like what their family life is like, who, mm -hmm. what they like. You know what I mean? How they learn, mm -hmm. observing them. Um, so I think so. Yeah, but I think you know, there's you know that can only get you so far too. Yeah, true, true. I I, I think 
looking um, now a year later, one of the things that was like, it was heavily on my, my conscience, my spirit, uh, my mind was the impact of, you know, how these kids were now being educated mm. when they had to go into quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the social emotional issues that mm-hmm. we may see in school, but now how they're were uh, affecting them at home. The mm-hmm. things like abuse, um, you know, domestic violence. Um, how did your school start to deal with such, uh, you know, a dramatic shift? Because now you now you feel like okay, we're not just teachers now. There's some social work that we may have to connect right, with, right. Um, but also academically, we may be being stretched. What was that like? Uh, for you and what were some of the experiences that you were like okay I gotta double down now yeah I mean I I don't through COVID I there was so much that was required from teachers Mm. I don't know if I can say that we we did that well like we had it in our minds and Mm -hmm. we knew that this was an issue however it's just like how how do you yeah (laughs) how do you um assess a child's social emotional health on any given day, mm. right? We've had some dedicated school workers who were making house calls, yeah. who were, you know, reaching out to students and, you know, were on Zoom just to hang out. And, you know, we're trying to reach out to families and students in different ways. However, we also know that our students were desperate to come back. Mm. We know that our students were, you know, just to add what to your list. What were some of the indicators where it was just like, Yo, he needs to get back into the school. I think a lot of students said things that were like distressing. Mm. So they would just they would just be like random, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like things that you would need to pay attention to. Sure. Um, you know, I came across a student who, you know, would just send me an email and say, um, my parents aren't paying attention to me or like I'm really lonely at home. Mm. There were students who were facing COVID deaths in their families, right? right. And they were, you know, there was notification that was going out that was saying, you know, this this child or this student had someone in their family pass away. Mm-hmm. This child or this student had a family pass away due to a hate crime. You know what I mean? And so, you know, our or you know, this student is you know is not performing at the best that we know that they can. So, like, just looking at who they were as mm-hmm. a student previously and then seeing what they've been doing in school, we knew that that was there was an indication that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. So. There was a lot of things that we we saw. Mm-hmm. Our social workers were at the forefront of really. Your school has social workers. Yeah, so we have adjustment counselors oh, yeah, yeah, who yeah, are yeah, right. who are licensed social workers, right? Mm-hmm. And they they talk to our students like every day, right? And so they know like yeah. what our students are experiencing, right. and they are the bullhorn mm-hmm. for you know, kind of bringing the teachers back to reality because teachers are apprehensive. I, you know, we don't want to come back to school, yeah, this, this, yeah. and that, right? And then after these... What does my ad- union say about right, it? Right, <laughs> So, and, and so, you know, and our adjustment counselors were like, you know, we hear you, we know the concern, but our students are like... Yeah. <laughs> you know drowning. what I mean? Like, emotionally, like, they're not well. Mm. So, you know, it was a lot to factor in, and 
you know, we we put things in place, like we put a family resource center in place to reach out to families, like yeah. you know oh, what I mean. Good. Like here's, you know, if you need something, we were doing like fa- like meals. Like ever since COVID started, we were giving out meals for okay. free because we know, cool. you know, s- certain number of our students don't get enough food at home, right? Mm-hmm. Like parents can drive up. I know Brockton was doing that too. And we're still doing that program, um, and we send food home with students even though they're in the building now, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, we had students come into the building if they were like really like, yo, you need to come in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so, so your building never closed at all throughout. No, the year? our def- our building was closed for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Definitely all throughout. It feels all throughout of twenty twenty. It was definitely closed. Um, but you know, we've tried different things in the best way that we could. Mm-hmm. But I think our students just want to come back to school. Like, there's yeah. nothing better than being in school, right? You know right. what I mean? As much as, like, our kids are like, oh, I hate you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate yeah, this school. Yeah. The school's so whack. They're, like, dying to come back to the building. Now, and so once they finally made it back, were they the same students? So we've only had um, our high-need students in the building so far. Mm-hmm. And um, those high-need students, whether they be on IEPs or 504s or they might be um, just students who are failing, like, mm-hmm. every single class, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, they come back into the building, and they're conversing, right? They see their friends. They're walking. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, they're on their phones. But they get to see their teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least us, the admin that are in the building. Um, and it's, you know, they, they just light up, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, they're yeah. just excited to be back. And they're That's students awesome. that... Like, you know, are new to our school and they're just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is your school. And like our school, look, our building looks different. We've gotten a bunch of COVID money yeah. over the oh, over. Really? Okay. Yeah, because the okay. government was giving out money and, you know, yeah, everyone got a piece time? of the pie. Right. <laughs> so we've had to upgrade all of our operations, all of our, you know, everything. And like our school looks completely renovated and different. Mm. So our students are excited to come back and like mm. see stuff. So, I mean, the teachers at this point are like on board you know what i mean we've definitely had to traverse a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. for them to even get to this place but i think because of the availability of the vaccination Mm -hmm. i think people just like we're ready to come back to school that's that's awesome i mean i think it hit everybody you know i do think now um we'll say district-wide because i can't speak for the nation people you know the the consensus is we got to get them back in the building right you know i right. think i think wrote when it rolled out people were getting you know handouts and packets and some busy work yeah we it, did that too you know yep. what i mean where it was like all right look we just gotta figure something out right you know yeah. i um, mean we had no <laughs> guidance from the state and yeah. It was every week we were like, okay, what's Commissioner Riley going to say? What's yeah. the what's going on? What's, what's the next Baker guidance? Saying, right. Yeah. And we were just waiting. And I remember when it first came out, we were just like, <laughs> I remember. So like in preparation for this, I was like going back through my emails to kind of yeah. see like, like, what were we talking about? Like right. a year from now, right? A year ago. So and every email I read. So like, oh, like when we come back in the building in two weeks yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, like, you know what I mean? And everybody right. like no one knew how long this was going to go for. So. We're just like, yeah, we're gonna pass out enrichment work, and we're just gonna mm-hmm. do packets, and uh-huh. and then it's just like, oh, the quarters. We all clo- get an A. We're cl- right, like quarters closing. Like, what do we do about grades? Right, oh, it's right. pass fail. Like, let's do our best <laughs> exactly. to like pass our student. You know what I mean? Right. And it was just like nobody understood. And it was we were so innocent yeah. back then. Vulnerable. <laughs> we were so vulnerable and yeah. innocent, and we had no clue where this was gonna take us. Right. And now to see, like, wow, like mm-hmm. we've been doing this for a whole year. Right. Right. Which gets into my next question, like looking over a year, like mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you learned? Like, shoot, 
not just as an educator, but also as a woman, a working professional. Be, but and the other side, the third part of that is, you know, I think people don't realize that we had to also live lives through it as well. Right, right. You know, so what were some of the things that you saw by and large, professionally and personally? Well, professionally, I think that, um, especially from my my district, the importance of team like never became like more important than it did through COVID mm-hmm. because we had to work through every single challenge to get everything needed to be very crystal clear because as a, you know, head of my department, I need to make sure that whatever information I'm giving out is what the district is giving out. Mm-hmm. And so that they get the right information, like no one's running through anxiety. So I think like working as a team was huge. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was essential. Also, I mean, I think every educator can put away the idea that mm-hmm. we're disposable because we know remote learning doesn't work, right? It it's really just like, doesn't. okay, like who's going to teach our students? Like, are like computers going to yeah, teach? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. not a thing anymore right, right. <laughs> because we know it just doesn't it's work. Like we tried it. We tried, we right? We like tried it. it. <laughs> and just thinking about, I think for me as well, like in ed- in education and professionally, I just think of the importance of equity mm. and just knowing that not every student had access to do their best work, mm. right? Like how many students had internet issues? Mm. How many, how many students um, just didn't, you know, they couldn't complete the work because they, their work wasn't differentiated by a special ed teacher right. or, you know what I mean? Like so many things where our students were losing access to free education yeah. and it makes no sense. Right. Mm. And we just don't know how to navigate this, playing field Mm -hmm. so i don't think any of us did it right but i think moving out of covid now when we think about remote learning and digital learning i think as we move forward there's going to be a lot more testing of philosophies and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and but you know i'm I'm ready to see what comes out of it but Mm. as far as like how do we educate our students how do we give our students the best education right through this style without losing integrity of teaching and like, you know what I'm saying? Mm, Um, it was, you know, I think it's a lot to think about. Um, there's so much, like I could, I could Mm -hmm. talk about so much. Like I'm thinking about like, you know, we brought some more staff on hand Mm. and I'm thinking about, okay, what about people of color? Yeah. Like, professionals of color where do their opportunities lie in Mm. these things and do they have access to Mm -hmm. you know certain roles and certain places of leadership and where can we help people of color you know rise up in rank Mm -hmm. because you know if you remember like when COVID hit they were like oh all the graduates in nursing school just put them in hospitals like you know like they were just like just put them in hospitals it was not the same thing for teachers Right. right it was like oh we need we need staff. We need mm-hmm. paras. Mm-hmm. And you see a bunch of like minorities come in at these low level positions. So me as like a leader and just caring about, you know, people of color, it's just like, okay, well, how do people who come in, how can they move up as like classroom teachers right. and cla- people in admin mm-hmm. stuff that I'm planning on studying when mm-hmm. I get into my PhD program. But mm-hmm. personally, I think <laughs> what I learned um, is you got to take care of each other. Like, for instance, like I thought everything was good with my relationship with my husband and my husband mm. was having a full on breakdown because he couldn't play basketball. Mm. Right. And just not understanding the effects that it takes, that it took on us. Yeah. 
was huge and like the reparation to making us in a good putting us in a good place was a lot of compromise like my husband needed a way to be mentally healthy yeah, yeah, yeah. and i had to support his try like his navigation to try to do that but still be healthy you know what i'm saying yeah, 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 and yeah. like that was like that. that was like super hard i'm like yo you're gonna put our family at risk or you won't go think COVID. Right. but i know you need this so right. like that like for me was really hard right in trying to be a supportive mate mm -hmm. to him mm -hmm. Because it was a mental health issue, you know what I'm saying? No, I think that that's that's, that's a very um, powerful uh, realization, a revelation. Where I think one of the things that was so key was the importance of health, mm -hmm. right? And I always say, you know, the way that your marriage went into it is the way you know either it's gonna come out worse or it's gonna come out better, right? Because now you're at the forefront of this is where we are. Right. <laughs> this is how it's going. Right. Or this is how it's no longer going. And you had to confront those things. And then you recognize, well, how do we manage with limited access in our own limitations? We got to get creative. Right. You know, we got to communicate. Right. Um, you know, because then the other side is I still got to pour out and give back. I still have to be available to uh, whoever right. I'm serving. Right, right. Um, but I can't serve you if I'm not feeling me, right? Right. And a part of me is he or mm -hmm. her, right? Mm -hmm. So if this breaks down, then I ain't got nothing to give you either. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's that's the, that was a definite takeaway even for myself. Where it was yeah. like, listen, you can you can keep trying to give, but you're gonna run out of fumes. Oh, definitely. You're gonna run out of fumes, oh. and then you're gonna be moving fumes. Oh, yeah. No, you know? definitely. I mean, I <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know how to be good for David. Mm because he was going through something that I wasn't experiencing. And it was something I think that was new for him. It was, it crept up on him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah. just like, I, I remember like he broke down. I was like, babe, like you have to remember like everyone has to deal with COVID. Yeah. Like you are not the only person locked in. Like for him, it was traumatic. Like yeah. I would drive, he would drive down the streets and he's like, where the drive hoops? He's like, where? He's like, no, no. But like the, but the, <laughs> the no hoops, right. There's no hoops. Like they took out the nets. Yeah, right. Yeah, and for him, yeah. it's just like, yo, I can't like, right. wait, what's happening? You right. know what I mean? And it was hard yeah. to like, and he's an extrovert. I mean, I can stay inside all day, yeah, yeah, but like, he's a, like, he needs, he needs to be out. He needs, yeah. And he's just like, yo, I'm, I'm about to crack. Yeah. And you know, I was going, I had started my master's program. Mm. So I felt very divided in a lot of areas. I had to entertain my daughter, mm. right? A five-year-old only child, right? In a house. I had to devote myself to this, this new thing that I was embarking on in um, educational leadership. And then, I had to be present for my husband, mm -hmm. right? And then be in a school administrator at yeah, the same time, yeah. right? So, like, there were very m multiple layers of myself that were being divided in different areas. Mm. And honestly, it was just by the grace of God that I kept yeah. it together. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, every one of my commitments that I had before COVID, except for probably working out, like, mm. that, all of those commitments I kept to, like, 100 degree, like 100%. Mm. And, you know, it was only by the grace of God that I like yeah. didn't I didn't crack and I had to like hold my family together, you yeah. know? Yeah, no, that's 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 amazing. That's amazing. And you're doing better now. You're doing good. You yeah. Know? He's gone yeah. viral in basketball. Oh my god. Yo, it's crazy because like my <laughs> students are just like, Miss Thompson, yeah, I see your husband on yeah. my for you page on TikTok and I'm like, Ugh, don't look yeah. at me. Yeah, it's so <laughs> like, funny. 
but, but that, it's that's cool. great. You it's know, cool. it, it it speaks to you know his need to still be connected. Right. And granted, he's not the dude who you know I just need to be seen. Right. But he because he was not looking to be seen. He was like, look, I just need Good something flip. to do. Right. 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 And, <laughs> and you this know, this is what I like to do. This is what I like to do. You and know. He, you know, I hear him, and he's on podcasts too with different people. He's 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 blowing up. It's amazing watching yeah. him. But like. You know, he was like, man, I just wanted to watch myself. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like, I just wanted to watch right. myself and see right. myself get better. And I didn't expect this to, right. like, go like this. So right. I'm happy for him. But it took a lot of trust and it mm-hmm. took a lot of faith. Yeah. You know what I mean? To, like, allow my husband right, to right. go out right. into these streets, into yeah. these COVID streets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and play uh, ball and yeah. not bring it back. And right. so, yeah. I mean, and it was good. what it Thank God. Thankfully, That's it worked. As a black woman, an educator, an administrator, what do you? What are some things that you'd like to see more in the future? Oh goodness! I mean, it's not in your notes. <laughs> no, it's not. In so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in my notes. No, but um, like I said, I think one of the things that I am I'm, I'm passionate about now, and I think I'm going to develop my dissertation on, is just providing more access for people of color in in leadership. Mm. Um, there are plenty of statistics out there that say that there are not enough people you know people of color in school administration um there are plenty statistics out there that say um education is full of white women Mm. right so um i've seen right (laughs) yeah right (laughs) right and so um you know i i really want to explore that topic more i want to explore what that looks like um I think there are some, and I'm I'm really thankful for my um, passion for Black culture mm-hmm. because I'm very zeroed in mm-hmm. on things on culturally responsive teaching. Yeah. Um, I'm very zeroed in on um, Black kids being overly disciplined, school mm-hmm. to school to prison pipeline. Like I'm very zeroed in on stuff like that. Sure. Um, and I think that there is a large number of work that's being done now, especially in our society. Mm. For me, this is a journey for me, right? So, like, where I am right now, I'm in the position where I believe that there needs to be more people who are not of color that are speaking out about these issues. Because I just mm. come off as the angry black woman, right? And if there are more allies in this that are, that are speaking to their counterparts and saying, hey, this is an issue. Mm. We need to be educated in these ways. Like... For me, it's like, okay, there's movement, there's traction, right? right? So as I'm, you know, just researching and learning mm-hmm. more, um, I want to I wanna delve deeper into, like, so many areas. Mm-hmm. But I do think that their work is happening. Mm-hmm. The work is happening. People are getting more educated. But I, I also believe that there are... Um, there are racially injustice systems that are mm-hmm. in education that... I don't know. Like, I, like, what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you deconstruct yeah. a racial, you know what I mean? A racially you know injustice system. Raise up a generation, baby. Listen, and I think that's what we're doing, right? Yeah, so I like, absolutely. and I mean, I was having a conversation today and, you know, one of my white colleagues said um, something like, you know, I feel like my son is more 
like what he's getting in education now, you know, it's it's giving him the information to be able to be this enlightened. And I was like, well, that's not true. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> nobody is in class talking about, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. here's how to accept people of yeah. color. Here's how to accept, you know, homosexual. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, no one is talking about that. But however, there is a social awareness, mm. right? So that social awareness, especially, you know, are the younger generation mm. now, the one that maybe like underneath me mm-hmm. and you, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? They're more socially aware and yeah. their their activism is causing change, mm-hmm. right? So um we need to get on board with that, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm every day as I like I'm in urban education as a scholar practitioner in mm-hmm. um in math in my master's program, taking literally what I t- what the scholarship that I'm reading about and applying it and seeing it in my environment. I'm becoming more passionate about um, urban policy because mm. I'm questioning stuff like that. I'm right. questioning like, how do you deconstruct these educational systems that say, mm-hmm. and this is a conversation I had, like that say, you know, to be an expert in your field, you have to be certified, mm. right? And I understand that. That's mm-hmm. that's legit. However, there might be people who don't have access to certification because right. they may not have the means to get education. You know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? Mm-hmm. And so I want to like explore that further yeah. and say, okay, like even though, you know, I understand that we need certification, mm-hmm. what can we do or how can we provide support to a community that may not have access to these things mm-hmm. and put them in place? Because it's not, you know, for me, I was lucky enough at new Heights where, um, you know, I don't have a certification in administration, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I can do that because I'm in a charter, right? So I can I can kind of spread my wings a little bit that way. But you know, our school would be you know very white heavy in administration mm-hmm. if it, if it didn't give leeway for right. people of color who didn't have certification to yeah. to to explore that thing, right? right? So now I'm extremely passionate about leadership, mm. and you know, if if it was like a public school, yeah. I would never have the opportunity. Nah, nah, then nah, the opportunity would not exist. Nah, you know what nah, I'm saying? Nah. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. Like I wanna, I definitely wanna explore that more. I'm definitely gonna to do some research. It. I'm gonna do yeah, some research yeah. on it, and I don't know. I think that that might be one of the main reasons why I go into urban mm. policy and study that. Um, but it. what can you? What can you? How can? How, that's, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. How do you deconstruct racial yeah. injustice in a system, especially yeah. as old as Boston? Right? Like mm-hmm. we're the first educational system in the United States. Right. Right. So like. Right. It's it's yeah. so involved. There's, there's, there's <laughs> room so for research. Invo- man. It's so much room for research. It's yeah. so involved. But um, raising last question, and this is a free tip um, to that high school student mm-hmm. who is now a senior or thinking about education as the track. Um, you know, looking back or looking forward, what is one free tip that you would give them? Mm. I think. Going into education and public service requires passion. Mm. Passion for community, passion for people, passion for future, right? Like I'm investing my nine to five, my night, my weekends, my nights, right? To the future. Mm. And being able to invest in that future is, is such a privilege. Mm. So I would say like, go like go for it like if there's any way that you can make an impact and a difference it would be in the lives of some like a young person Mm. and i guess that's been my whole life story right Mm -hmm. so like um go for it dive deep into it learn read Mm -hmm. (laughs) read Mm -hmm. um and really lean on your teachers and i don't think we appreciate our teachers until we leave them Mm. and we don't realize the impact that they make but 
if you're interested in going into into education, just know that it's probably one of the best ways that you can invest in the future. Mm. And mm. like, just just go for it. So I I don't know. Like, I love it. there's so much I that I think that one could say, but for me, it's it's just that opportunity to be able mm. to do that. Me giving back to Brockton, me mm-hmm. giving back to Haitian community, mm-hmm. me giving back to myself mm-hmm. as that person who was struggling at first and then tried to figure myself out and found my path in education, mm-hmm. found my found myself because of my blackness mm-hmm. and was going to say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to invest myself in these students who get overlooked and Amazing. give them opportunity. Amazing. Them Jen Thompson. <laughs> Thank you so much for having lunch with us today. That's it, folks. You heard it here first. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I know that I did. As always, like, share, subscribe, and tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a loved one (laughs) that the free lunch program is still here. Peace. Thank you for listening to the free lunch program, where we serve the best food for your soul. Until then, we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace.